0: The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus again is, is a very well known topic or subject amongst us believers. In fact, we all begin that way when we come to know that we come to hear about the fact that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and. Uh, we come to believe in Him and know that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed us from all sin. We begin that way. Faith in the blood of Jesus. The subject of the, the topic of the blood is, is huge in, in the Bible. It's huge in Scripture. You find it all the way from Genesis through the book of Revelation. You're, you read about the blood. It's huge. And so what we're trying to do this morning is simply in a 45-minute session trying to condense some of the key things you and I need to know about the blood. So it's like condensed milk. Alright, it's going to be intense, solid. Just to uh, get together, you know, get in a good overview, a good grip on what the blood of Jesus does for us as believers. The Old Testament is really a foreshadowing, a prefiguring. Or it's filled with types or images of the reality which is contained in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, God is setting His people up so that He can bring them to a point where they see reality and then are able to understand the significance and the meaning of the reality that the New Testament presents. And so right from Genesis through the Old Testament, we see God repeating and talking to His people in shadows and images and figures about the blood. The very first incident took place in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and did what God told them not to do, suddenly Adam's engineering abilities comes up and he goes and, you know, gets all the leaves from the tree and he makes the first designer set of clothes for himself and Eve with leaves. But then God comes on the scene and he brings something better. He brings leather jackets. He says, guys, to cover sin. You need leather, real, genuine leather. The point that God was making at that moment was that the works of man cannot cover sin. What you do on your own cannot cover your nakedness. But what I'm giving you, this animal hide, really represents the fact that animals were slain. Blood had been shed in order for your sin to be covered. Whether Adam and Eve understood that image that God was communicating to them, we do not know. But looking back, we can understand that that was what God was trying to say. There had to be bloodshed if sin was going to be covered. Another image that we see in the Old Testament is that of Cain and Abel. Cain was a good Christian man. He went to church regularly. But when it was time to worship God, Cain brought forth the best of his works. He was a farmer. So out of the crops and things that he grew, he brought an offering to God and offered it to God. Abel took care of animals, the shepherds. And so he took an animal, sacrificed it, offered it to God. The Bible says that God accepted Abel's, but God rejected Cain's. Why? God was sending a message. That the kind of sacrifice that he would accept was something that involved the shedding of blood. Not, that, not something that came out of the strength of man's hands. When God called Abraham and wanted to establish a covenant with him, make a promise with him. He said, Abraham, you know, I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you my promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And, and, and through you, the nations of this world are going to be blessed. In the 15th chapter of Genesis, when God wants to solemnize this promise with Abraham. What does he do? He gets Abraham to take an animal, sacrifice it and, and cut it into two pieces. And the Bible says, God walked through the midst of those pieces. And then he turned around to Abraham and said, Abraham, I am establishing my covenant with you. I am making a solemn promise with you. And God is saying, this is a covenant that I make with blood. Meaning it's a blood covenant. I am standing behind it with all who I am. This is my solemn promise to you, Abraham. God establishes a covenant with blood with Abraham. Later on, when God is ready to bring his people out of Egypt. And you know the story. This is their last night in captivity. the last night in Egypt. God is getting ready to bring them out and, and, and set them free. They've been bondage for about over 400 years now. What does God do? He says... Moses, instruct my people that for every household, they should take a firstborn lamb, kill the lamb, collect the blood in a basin, and then apply the blood on the doorposts of their home. Because tonight, death and destruction will move throughout this land. And I want to draw a distinction between my people and the people of Egypt. I'm going to draw a distinction. My people... If they will do what I'm telling them, if they will apply the blood on the doorposts of their house, then I will become a covering of protection over them. Death and destruction will not hurt them. And God instituted in the nation of Israel what we call it, what they call as a Passover lamb, the lamb that God caused God to pass over them, become a covering for them, so that death and destruction could not touch them that night. And consequently, they walked out in a total freedom because of the blood of the passover Lamb. whether they understood the fullness of all it meant we do not know but God was setting them up a type, a shadow, a prefiguring of the reality that was yet to come in the New Testament in the wilderness God told Moses you know build a tabernacle pitch a tent, it's got three compartments, there's the outer coat, the inner coat and the most holy place each compartment has certain things, activities that will happen. On the outer coat, there is the place as an altar, brazen altar. People bring their daily sacrifices for their sins and offerings, and it's burnt on that altar throughout the year, every day. But there is also a place called the Most Holy Place, the Holy of Holies, where once a year there is an annual Day of Atonement, and the high priest on the Day of Atonement would do two things. There would be two animals brought to him. And he would kill one. And he would collect the blood of that animal. And take it in once a year. Into the most holy place. Into the holy of holies. And sprinkle that blood on the altar of the Ark of the Covenant. And the second thing he would do is he would come out. He would, he would put his hands on the second animal. Speak the sins of the people onto the, that animal. And that would be taken away into the wilderness. Far away. Never to be seen again. That was a day of atonement. Every year. And God says, if you do this, I will remit the sins of the people. God was setting them up. Type or shadows, prefigures of the reality that was to come. There's an important verse in the Old Testament. It's Leviticus the 17th chapter, the 11th verse. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. In Leviticus 17, 11. Probably God is trying to explain all this that's happening to His people. He says in Leviticus seventeen eleven, For the life of the flesh, so the life of the body is in the blood. And I, and I have given it to you. I've given the blood upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So the key verse that explains all this thing about sacrifices and animals and blood. God is saying... Here is the basic underlying truth I want you to get. Without the shedding of blood, sins can never be forgiven. You need blood to make atonement for the soul. Because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it will die. And death has to take place. There has to be a sacrifice made. And when, blood, when a sacrifice is made, that blood is put on the altar. Then sins will be atoned for. It is the blood. That makes atonement for the soul. He set them up. And then came the reality. Jesus the son of God. Comes into this world. Dies on the cross. And before he goes to the cross. He tells his disciples. Hey guys. I'm going to die. And this is my blood. Of the new covenant. Which I am shedding forth for all people. For the forgiveness of sin. He introduces them to this blood. To the concept of his blood being shed. The Old Testament had several, several, several types of the lamb, of lambs being used in, in various sacrifices. But when you come into the New Testament, here's how John the Baptist introduces Jesus. He says, Jesus is the perfect lamb, the perfect atonement, the complete redemption. The blood of Jesus is the blood of the lamb of God. John the Baptist introduces Jesus saying, behold the lamb who takes away the sins Of the whole world. Never before was a man pointed to and said, This man is the lamb. The Old Testament had many, many sacrifices. Lambs used for all kinds of things. But now John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, This is the lamb of God. And he'll take over the sins of the whole world. Interestingly, the Bible says in Revelation 19, and Revelation 13 and 1st Peter 1 That Jesus is the Lamb of God Slain from the foundation of the world Meaning, even before God created everything By His foreknowledge He knew that Jesus Christ would one day That the Son of God would one day The Word would one day Become flesh and become the Lamb of God And He come all the way into Revelation And Revelation says Points us into the future In heaven And He continues to be worshipped as the Lamb of God Worthy is the Lamb Meaning, before time began, He was the Lamb of God After time ends, He will continue to be the Lamb of God Amen It's central to the Bible The blood of Jesus Christ The Lamb of God shed for us Jesus also became or Jesus also is the Passover Lamb The Old Testament had the type You read about it in the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter. But you come into the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. As Paul is dealing with issues in the Corinthian church. And he tells them to deal with sin very severely and to get it out of the church. Suddenly he brings up this subject. He says, even Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. He's saying, hey guys, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. In the Old Testament, they had to kill a lamb as a Passover. But I want you to know, in the New Testament, Jesus is our Passover lamb. Everything the Old Testament Passover lamb afforded for them, Jesus Christ brings to us. The blood of the Passover lamb in the Old Testament signified that they were totally protected from the destroyer that moved upon the land. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover the lamb, the real Passover lamb, the true Passover lamb. His blood applied on our lives therefore gives us the same guarantee that we are divinely protected. God becomes a covering upon our life and the destroyer that moves across the land has no access to you because the blood of the Passover lamb is on you. And it also signifies that your redemption from Egypt is sure. As surely as the people of Israel walked out of Egypt that night. So surely have you been delivered from the powers of darkness. And translated once and for all into the kingdom of God's dear son. Because the blood of the Passover lamb has been applied on you. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. The Old Testament had the shadow. You and I enjoy the reality. They had the type We have the reality of of it. The Bible also says that, and there are several scriptures, we don't have time to go into all of it, but the blood of Jesus is the perfect atonement and the complete redemption. Hebrews chapter 9 bears this out. Jesus became, His blood is the perfect atonement and gives us complete redemption. Atonement means reconciliation with God at one moment. You're reconciled to God. You're at peace with God. Redemption has to do with our rescue from the fall, from sin and Satan. He is the perfect atonement. He is the complete redemption. His blood is the complete redemption. In the Old Testament, every day there were sacrifices... Annually, there was a day of atonement. It had to be done every year, every year, every year. You come into the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the perfect atonement. Once for all, He dealt with our sins. And it brings us into a place where we are reconciled to God through His blood. What the Old Testament blood could not, the lambs of animals in the Old Testament could not do. Redeemed them from the fall. The blood of Jesus Christ does for us. We are redeemed. Rescued from, the, this, from sin and Satan. By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Also brings us into an. Eternal covenant with God. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.20. That, he, that his blood has given us an everlasting covenant. An eternal covenant. You know. Someday we have to talk about. Covenant Covenant is a very serious thing Because every day Almost every day When you read your Bible You're reading A covenant On the earth we have Some symbols of covenant You know marriage is a covenant It's until death do us part When you sign some agreements with people It's a covenant A contract is a covenant But God talks about covenant his view of covenant is far greater than man's understanding of covenant. God is so serious about covenant. The Bible says that God says, my covenant I will never break. Nor alter what has gone out of my lips. That's how seriously God takes his covenant. And the truth is, if you are a believer, you are in an eternal covenant with God through the blood of Jesus. It's a blood covenant. Life Was given to establish this covenant. It was not just a signature on paper. It was not just some nice book written and given handed to you. Blood was said. Life was given. The life of the Son of God was given. To establish and set you up in an eternal covenant with Almighty God. And as far as God is concerned, He will not break His part of the covenant. Now this is a very one-sided covenant because... There is nothing really you and I can offer to God that He would want from us. And what can you give to God? It's very one-sided, this covenant. Because it's all about God releasing Himself to us through this covenant. And that's the kind of covenant Jesus brought you into, brought me into through His blood. We must understand how to walk in our covenant with God. Many of us have a covenant, but we never walk in it This is how Jesus treats covenant In the 13th chapter of Luke Jesus goes to synagogue on Saturday He sees a woman there in church Who's got a problem She has been bent over Something happened to her back She's been bent over for 18 years And here's Jesus' response he says, this woman, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. What was his point? This woman has a covenant with Jehovah God. Because several generations prior to this, God made a covenant with her forefather Abraham. As part of the covenant, God said, I am your Jehovah Rapha. Several generations passed. Hundreds of years go by, Jesus sees this woman and says, you've got a covenant with God, you've got a right to be healed. That's how seriously he takes covenants. You've got a covenant with God, on the other end of the covenant is the God of the Bible. On the other end of the covenant is the God who heals every sickness and every disease. On the other end of the covenant is God who can bless all the work of your hands. On the other hand of the covenant is Almighty God who stands as your defender, as your justifier. You see everything that God is in the Bible. He is standing on the other side of the covenant and He says, I have a covenant with you through the blood of my Son. It's an eternal covenant. I am waiting to release it into your life. Ought not you, the Son, Ought not you the son and a daughter of Almighty God who is in a covenant with Him through the blood of His Son Jesus Christ experience it, receive it here and now in this life. That's what He was saying. This woman is a daughter of Abraham. She has a covenant with Almighty God through her forefather Abraham. And therefore she has a right to be healed. And He got her healed. Amen. The Bible says you and I are in a covenant with God. It's a better covenant with better promises through the blood of Jesus. How much more should you and I invoke the power of our covenant with Almighty God in everyday life, amen? So the blood of Jesus Christ has brought us into an everlasting covenant with God Now this is just a quick overview to show that what the Old Testament foreshadowed They were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, in the New Testament What I want to quickly do in the rest of our time here And I understand the blood of Jesus is a huge subject I want to just kind of distill it in here into three areas How does the blood of Jesus affect our lives, one, as people who have been redeemed from the fall, two, in our relationship with God, and three, in our conflict with the devil? And after that, we're going to pray together. How does the blood of Jesus Christ affect us as people who have been redeemed from the fall? The blood of Jesus Christ does several things to us. First of all, it cleanses us from all sin. First John chapter 1, verse 7, a verse that many of us know. It says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light. And we have communion or fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, many of us have heard that several times. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. We've heard that time and time again. But you know... I think many of us don't really, really believe it. Why? Because a large percentage of our church, so many people are still living under guilt, condemnation, and shame. And yet we say, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all sin." If you really believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed you from every sin, then you and I have no business living under a cloud of guilt, condemnation, and shame. We should be walking free as people who have been justified by the blood. Amen. I'm not saying that we should not repent of the sins we have done. That's important. But remember, it's not your tears that wash your sin away. It's the blood that washes your sin away. Amen. You know, we get the wrong idea that, you know, if I go down to the altar and cry and tears out, oh, I can get up over all the crying. Two-fourths, I mean, you know, three-fourths of my sin have been washed away. Get over it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses you from all sin. And you are cleansed. Tell yourself, I am cleansed. Amen. It doesn't matter what you've done. You know, sometimes we think, you know, small sin, okay, that the blood will wash away. Big sin, it it takes a little longer time. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ washes us, cleanses us from all sin. Small sin or big sin, doesn't matter. We need to learn to live guilt-free. We learn to live shame-free. I'm not saying that when you sin, don't repent, you must repent. But once you've done it, and come to God and say, God, wash me with the blood. Learn to walk free from guilt and shame. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, sanctifies us. Hebrews thirteen twelve. we are sanctified by the blood, meaning we are set apart, we are made holy. In the Old Testament, once Moses had built his tabernacle and God said, okay, bring all the utensils in. They had to be consecrated. By blood and by the anointing oil Consecrated Then they're ready for holy use Now that's what the blood has done The blood consecrates the priests in the tabernacle The blood consecrates you before God You've been sanctified by the blood The moment you believed in Jesus Christ God said, I'm washing you with the blood, which means I'm setting you apart for my holy use. You have been set apart for God by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, do not allow any unholy thing to ever touch you in your body or your mind because you've been sanctified by that blood. Amen. If there is anything unholy That's trying to attach itself to your soul Or to your body You have every right to refuse it By the power of the blood of Jesus Because the blood of Jesus Has sanctifying power It not only washes you But it sets you apart for God Holy sets you apart for holy use You have the right to refuse The entrance of any unholy thing That they want to attach itself to you By the power of Jesus' blood It gives you Resistance to what is unholy. You're sanctified by that blood. The blood of Jesus, let me just run through this quickly, is our redemption. We are redeemed by that blood. As I said earlier, redemption simply means you're rescued from sin and from Satan. In the Greek, the, the picture that is painted for us in the usage of the Greek term simply means to buy a slave out of slavery. And to restore him to his original state. That is redemption. And the blood has redeemed us. We have been bought out of Satan's hold. And now restored and made as sons and daughters of almighty God. Which means that Satan has no claim on your life. He has no access to your life. He has no right on your life. Because of the blood of Jesus. You are redeemed by that blood. That's redemption. We are purchased by that blood. Meaning now God is a rightful owner. Paul says in Acts 20, 28, he says, The church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Every believer has been purchased by God. You have a right to say, I am blood bought and blood washed. I belong to God. I am God's property. You say, but why does the devil still affect, uh, afflict me or attack me? Because he is a trespasser. He tries to... Uh, in wait or tries to get into territory. He has no right to. So he, he attempts to trespass. But you are a purchased possession of God. You got to know that you 100% belong to God. You've been purchased by his blood. Satan has no right of access into your life. The blood of Jesus in Hebrews 9.14. The Bible says. He cleanses our conscience from dead works. What does this mean? It means that inside you. You have no dependence on dead works to give you a right standing with God. Your conscience is cleansed of dead works. But yet, how many people in the church still measure their relationship with God by the works they do? And that ought not to be. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed your conscience from dependence on dead works. And liberated you into a relationship that is totally and wholly and solely dependent On the blood of the lamb But how many of us believers You know, this is our mindset This morning I read my bible for 20 minutes And I prayed for 25 minutes So I think God's going to be good to me Monday morning, God It's a busy week My boss is waiting for me I got to go So no time to read the bible, no time to pray You rush off to work And the whole day You're walking very Stealthily before God Hoping that no fire and brimstone falls down on you Because you didn't read your Bible or you didn't pray What are you doing? You're basing a relationship with God on dead works I am not saying that don't read your Bible or don't pray It's good, we need to do it It's part of our, 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 our passion To pray and read the word and feed on it But remember your relationship with God is not based on whether you read the Bible or whether you pray. It's based on the blood of Jesus. And so your conscience is cleared from dead works. And you approach God because of the blood, not because of the works. Amen. How does the blood of Jesus affect our relationship with God? i just continuing on the same thing. Well, let me deal one more thing. We are redeemed from our vain way of living by the blood of Jesus. There's a very important truth. You know, in 1 Peter 1.18, the Bible teaches us that the blood of Jesus Christ redeems us from our vain manner of life that is handed down from our forefathers. Meaning, the blood of Jesus becomes the dividing line, the cutoff point for every wrong thing that is handed down from previous generations. Whether it has to do with vain, empty, useless lifestyle, sin patterns, or demonic works, whatever, the blood of Jesus Christ becomes a cutoff point. Beyond this, that thing has no right to continue in your life. We are redeemed from a wane manner of living that has been handed down from our forefathers by the blood of Jesus. So take a moment. Maybe there are things in your life that you say, you know, my grandfather was like this. This happened in my grandfather's generation. Maybe there are certain sin patterns. Situations that took place, sin patterns, for example, being an alcoholic or situational things. Maybe he lost all his money. There was a financial breakdown whatever. And then you say, you know, it happened even in my father's generation. Same thing happens. Same lifestyle, same patterns, same situations took place. And you say, maybe it's happening in my generation also. The Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free from this thing that's handed down from generations you have a right to be free from it you can say it may have happened in my forefathers but it will not happen to me because of the blood of Jesus Christ I am claiming my redemption I'm gonna stay free from that thing very quickly the blood of Jesus how does it affect your relationship with God it, we are justified by that blood the blood of Jesus makes you just as if you've never sinned in Romans 5 9 we are reconciled to God We have peace with God We are brought near to God We have boldness to enter into the holiest Because of the blood of Jesus, Hebrews ten nineteen, And we are in a new covenant with God as we've already talked about Because of the blood of Jesus You know, the point God is trying to get across to you and me is simply this Our relationship with God Is based on the blood of Jesus Christ Not on our works Not on anything else we draw near because of the blood we have access in the most holy place because of the blood I mean think about it this is God Almighty we're talking about how good can you be to gain access into his presence we can never be good enough but because of the blood you can come boldly to the presence of God our relationship with God we have peace with God we are justified, made just as if we've never sinned in the sight of God because of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us. And Lastly, how does the blood of Jesus help us in our conflict with the devil? This is important. Revelation twelve eleven says this that God's people, they overcame him, the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony because they loved not their lives even to the point of death. How do we overcome the devil? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So the blood of Jesus Christ gives us the power, overcoming power over the enemy. And First John 5, 8 says that the blood testifies on the earth. Meaning even today, 2,000 years after the event, the blood of Jesus Christ still speaks. There is still power In the blood of Jesus Whenever it is invoked here on earth It it, it testifies to everything that was accomplished on Calvary's cross It still speaks today Amen But the important thing that you and I must learn Is how to invoke the power of the blood of Jesus How do we invoke the power of the blood of Jesus in our life and our conflict with the enemy Now you and I have probably seen this You know, suppose somebody is in a situation where you know, there are demonic manifestations Or people are behaving weird or whatever They go into this sudden thing of The blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus And people have the wrong idea that The more you repeat The blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus The faster you say it The more power comes in Or in Tamil you'll hear it like this You know, And they keep going on and on and on and on And thinking something's going to happen you might as well say the sky is blue, the grass is green and say it fast. That is not the way to invoke or experience the power of the blood of Jesus. What does Revelation 12, 11 say? It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb is God's side. The word of your testimony is our side. The blood of the lamb, we have nothing to do with it. God did it. The word of our testimony is everything for us to do. We must testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for us. And that is what causes us to overcome the devil. Amen. We testify to what the blood of a lamb has done in our lives. And when you do that, that's when it becomes efficacious. The power of the blood becomes real in your life and gives you overcoming power over the enemy. When you testify, the word of your testimony You are testifying that the blood of Jesus Christ has personally done this for you You overcome the enemy One of Satan's greatest, most powerful missiles Is a very simple missile that incapacitates three quarters of God's people What is it? Very simple It's called guilt and condemnation And that missile comes into the minds of God's people. Seventy-five percent are neutralized. Go home. Do nothing for God. So, what do you mean? You ask them, "Would you like to come up and sing?" No. No, no, no. I don't want. I mean, but you got the gift. You got the talent. You got. Why? I'm not prepared. Standing in a group. Would you like to pray? No, no. I only pray in private. I don't pray in public. All kinds of excuses, but the underlying excuse is There's a deep sense of guilt, shame and condemnation I don't feel worthy And so we give all these other excuses 75%, maybe even more of God's people Are crippled by this missile of guilt and condemnation The devil says, you are not worthy God loves Pastor Ashes You And so we all think like that, and so what we do, we don't do anything for God. We don't step up for God. We don't think God can't use me. But really, it's a lie of the devil. What must you do? Overcome him by testifying to what the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, has done for you. You say, the blood of Jesus God's Son has cleansed me from every sin. The blood of Jesus God's Son has justified me in the sight of God. There is therefore now no condemnation against me. I have boldness to go in the presence of Almighty God because of the blood of Jesus. I draw near to God through His blood. You testify with your mouth what the blood of Jesus has done for you and you'll find that cloud of guilt and condemnation and shame just lift off you can walk with a clear conscience before God not because of the works but because you testified to what the blood of Jesus has done for you amen when the devil tries to attach something that's unholy ungodly on your mind or your body with some sickness some disease you Testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for you. Say, my body has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. This is God's property. My body is a property of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. Testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for you. And you overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. When the devil tries to intrude in something that belongs to you. Say, no, 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 everything that I am, everything I have is in covenant with Almighty God. We are in an eternal covenant with God through the blood of Jesus. His covenant says my children will be taught of the Lord and they will have peace. His covenant says my people shall live in a peaceful habitation and ensure dwellings. His covenant says no evil shall befall you, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I am in an eternal covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. You testify with your mouth what the blood of Jesus has done for you. Helps you to overcome the enemy Amen The blood of Jesus Done all this for us But for you and me to walk in the reality of it And experience of it We must exercise, we must release the word of our testimony Amen We're going to take some time To release the word of our testimony To declare what the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son has done for us So much and I know we have tried to pack it all in a few minutes here If there's anyone here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you your sins and wash your sins away. I want you to know He's more than willing, more than ready to do it. You can pray in the quietness of your own heart and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. But I heard this morning that the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away all my sins. So wash me, Jesus. I am yours. Take my life. A simple prayer like that will change you completely will bring you out from the powers of darkness And and bring you into God's kingdom I want us to take a few moments Just to let faith awaken in our hearts to To the reality of what the blood of Jesus has done for us What God makes available to us Through the blood of His Son And then we're going to join together In releasing the word of our testimony In this place What you've done for me In sending the perfect Lamb of God To shed His blood for me Worthy is the Lamb of God. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for your blood. Our entire future and our entire eternity hinges on the reality of your blood, O oh God. And it is because of your blood we have been cleansed, we have been justified. And we will be saved from wrath, from judgment, because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, this morning, as believers, we testify to what your blood has done in our lives. And, and Lord, I pray that even as we release the word of the testimony, that things will happen in our lives, this very moment. That things will happen, oh God this very moment as we testify to what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Thank you, O oh God. I you to say this out loud and strong. The Bible tells us we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So let's release the word of our testimony together. And of course you can do this at home. You can do it anywhere, anytime. But I want us to do this together here this morning. I want you to say it out loud and strong. Say what the blood of Jesus has done for you and me together. Let's say this together. In Jesus name name, I believe believe that Jesus died for my sins. sins. He He shed his blood for me. He rose up from the dead. He is, in he is in heaven as the worthy Lamb of God. The, of God. the, blood, speaks the blood speaks on earth. I say, I say all, my all my sins are, sins are cleansed sins. By, the by the blood. They are gone forever. Gone forever. God remembers them, no the remembers them no more. I stand justified. In God's sight, sight, by the blood, blood, I enter boldly boldly, into God's presence presence, by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. There is no guilt, no no shame, no no condemnation condemnation, because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. I I am God's property. I have been bought bought by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. I am redeemed redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Satan, Satan. you have no place in me, no No claim over me, no No right in me, me. because Because I am redeemed redeemed by by the blood of Jesus. My body is healed. My My mind is whole whole. by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. I'm divinely protected protected. by the blood blood of Jesus. Jesus. I believe believe. I'm covered covered. by the blood blood. In in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I declare that every dedication made to false gods made to idolatrous things made to unholy things in previous generations are cancelled by the blood they no longer have any effect on me I am redeemed from the past past, by the blood blood, in Jesus name name, I close every door door, of previous generations generations, that has given access access, to the devil devil. these doors are shut shut, in the name of Jesus Jesus. I I am free by the blood I belong to Jesus Jesus. by the blood. blood. I am whole whole. by the blood blood. of Jesus. Jesus. Now give him some praise in this place. (laughs) Hallelujah, God. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, God. We give you thanks for the blood of Jesus upon every life. Upon every soul, the blood of Jesus has set us free, has made us whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, when you minister to others, it's the same way that you bring in the power of the blood of Jesus. If you're ministering to an unsaved person, the Bible says in Isaiah 50 to 12, He has sprinkled the world, He has sprinkled all nations with His blood. The blood has already been shed for an unbeliever. So when you come, when you minister to an unbeliever, you can come in saying, In Jesus' name, I bring the power of the blood of Jesus over this person. Why? Because the blood has already been shed for him or her. When you're ministering to another believer, maybe they're in some bondage, some area of problems, you do the same thing by the word of your testimony. You testify what the blood of Jesus has done for him or her. What happens? It brings the overcoming power of the blood of Jesus into that situation, into that person's life say the blood of Jesus redeemed this person this person is a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus same thing whether it's for yourself or whether it's for other people by the word of your testimony you bring in the power of the bloods. amen the blood of Jesus has been shed for everyone all the people outside you can tell them you can bring in the power of the blood of Jesus for them